Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Podcast. We are uh, joined this morning by uh, Matthew Jacobs and Jacob Gwynn, and we also have a first-time co-host with us. It is Mr. Uh, Jaron Street, and I am I'm Brent Snyder. I'm uh, typically a co-host, but this morning I happen to be filling in for uh, our regular host, uh, Travis Tyler. Uh, this morning we are going to try to uh, try to have a little bit of fun with the podcast as uh, as Christmas is coming up. It's it, next couple of days. Uh, you'll be listening to this hopefully on uh, Monday before Christmas Eve, and so uh, we thought it would be timely uh, to be able to uh, to just have a little bit of fun with what Christmas looks like in Appalachia. Guys, it is good to have you uh, with us this morning. Jaron, do you want to take just a second just to sort of uh, introduce yourself uh, where you're serving since this is your first time on the podcast? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Jaron Street. As Brent said, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Roan Mountain, Tennessee. Uh, I've been here for almost four and a half years now as pastor um, and I'm originally from Hickory, North Carolina. And so my wife and I love it here in the mountains, are enjoying uh, just a different pace of living here in Rome Mountain and, and certainly the wonderful people that we've gotten to know and to love and uh, to build relationships with. So uh, we, are, we are here in this small town with not a single stoplight and we love it. Good deal. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jaron. We've been trying to get Jaron in on some podcasts for quite a while now, so it's good to finally have him joining with us uh, for, for at least a couple. Um, also, I'll just make a note that we're trying out a new platform as we're recording uh, these uh, these podcasts. Uh, at least the next few will be trying out a new platform, so uh, you might just have to bear with us as you're listening to these if there's any, any technical issues or anything like that, but we, we certainly don't think there will be. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's jump right into it this morning. Uh, Christmas in Appalachia. Christmas is definitely my favorite uh, season of the year. It's, it's obviously a huge, huge uh, season for our churches. Uh, let's just begin by talking about uh, what are some uh, Appalachia church traditions uh, that we associate with, uh, with Christmas. Jacob? I think uh, one of the ones that tends to um, be done in this area is, is probably a hanging of the green service of some sort where, uh, where a lot of churches may do that right before Christmas or, um, you know, a lot of churches in our, in our community, in our area have uh, Christmas tree farms. And so, you know, a lot of times uh, you have, you know, fresh wreaths and different, different things like that. So I don't know about you guys, but, uh, but that tends to be one of those, uh, one of those things that comes up or is planned in the mix. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we also have, uh, I, 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 I think that they do this, pretty much everywhere but one of the things that's unique to, to Avery County I think in some to some extent and we talked about this happening at the 4th of July too uh, 
Um, it's not just is the hanging of the greens is also often associated or, or uh, grouped with the Christmas tree, community Christmas tree lighting. And just like we have so many communities that do fireworks in Avery County, every little community that's that's got a name attached to it pretty much has a Christmas tree lighting service as well. Uh, I know that we do in, in Minneapolis. Crossnor has one. Uh, we, I think. Go ahead, Matthew. We, we do. Um, sadly, this year our Christmas tree dropped by about thirty foot <laughs> um, because they cut our Christmas tree down in our town square-ish area and relocated it to the front lawn of Biltmore Estate. Mm -hmm. And so we had to replant a very small baby tree that's about eight foot, nine foot tall that they lit that was kind of depressing when you're used to that gigantic tree that we had in years past. So I hope the Biltmore and all the people that go by and see it are happy. Yeah. In, 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 Minneapolis, we, in Minneapolis, we have the uh, – Trinitarian Christmas tree lighting. We have about three eight-foot trees that, uh, that that we light. So, yeah, and in, in our town, we have you know it's a large tree that's been around for a long time, and um, you know it's it's lit every year, and it's the same lighting, and there's a big ceremony, and um, you know school bands will, will play, and and maybe a choir or two from a local church will sing, and it's kind of a, a big deal early on in the in the year, so. Yeah, does the town of Elizabethton also, are they in charge of the Merry Christmas thing up on top of the hill near where y'all like y'all's Christmas? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're okay. in charge of that too, yeah. Well, and that's something I, I think that I'm finding is different, and I guess because we have hills and mountains here that we don't necessarily have um, where I'm from, but a lot of communities will have some type of Christmas decoration up on top of a hill or up on top of a mountain whether it's some special lit tree thing they have, whether it's like in Elizabeth and they have the Christmas tree. Um, even if you go down to um, this past Thursday, we had to go down to the Baptist children's home in Lenore and drop off some stuff for them. And right behind them, there is a mountain that they have lit up at Christmas with um, a Christmas tree. And then in Easter, it moves to a cross that's lit up on top of this mountain that you can see for miles and miles around. So I think that's kind of something I think is different because I'm not used to seeing big old Christmas lightings up on top of a hill or up on top of a mountain somewhere that I'm seeing a lot more since moving to this area. Yeah. <clears throat> Jaron, are there any, uh, are there any Appalachia church, tr tr uh, church Christmas traditions that <clears throat> you, you sort of find unique? Well, this is not a church Christmas tradition, but the Rome Mountain Citizens Club does do an annual tree lighting, same tree, same place, same lights every year. And uh, of course, they they have music and and do a big thing with that, and a pretty good turnout from the community every year uh, goes for that that tree lighting. Um, as far as church tradition here at Rome Mountain, uh, our annual Christmas dinner you know cannot miss the annual Christmas dinner like Good Southern Baptist, and uh, they go all out. Uh, we also we have a wonderful time of fellowship. We do that after a, a Sunday morning service in December and. Uh, of course, cancel um, Sunday night services uh, just because normally the fellowship and everything lingers so long on Sundays uh, there for that. And so we have a wonderful time there. And we have, this was not a tradition that was going on before, uh, of course, coming here to First Baptist, but now we do each year um, work through and uh, the Advent wreath and light the candles, mm -hmm. you know, each Sunday morning uh, leading up to Christmas there. And <laughs> Um, take a special focus on, uh, you know, hope, faith, 
joy and peace and, and how Christ uh, helps us to recognize each of those things and, and how he fulfills each of those things uh, for us in him. And so those, I guess, are the only two traditions uh, church-wise that I can think of. Um, and, and the one that was going on before I came was, of course, the, the annual Christmas dinner. So Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know how it is. Uh, Baptists love our dinners, and Appalachia Baptists really love our dinners. Oh, so, you know, I don't know. Do you guys do uh, – you guys have Christmas Eve services or – we are this year. Um, so I do not think historically our church has. I know a lot of church in the area do, but this year our church is having a Christmas Eve service at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Yeah, our, our church, um, it's been 20 years, maybe longer, that they've done a Christmas Eve service. And it's been, it's been as early as five o'clock. It's been as late as, as 11 o'clock at night, too. Uh, and so it's, it's been different every year. Um, it's been one of those things I've, I've loved to do since coming here. Uh, we've tend to shot more towards the early side of things at five or six, just with families and so forth. But uh, that's always been one of those traditions that, uh, that I've always enjoyed since coming here for sure. Yeah, we, uh, we don't, well, we do a candlelight service and, and it sort of fluctuates. It bounces around, bounces around every year. We do do that on Christmas Eve uh, sometimes, but I think we're, I think we're going to permanently move that to the 23rd. We're doing it this year. Uh, one, one, one tradition that, that I had that I'd already thought of and that actually Travis and I talked about a little bit earlier, and if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that I necessarily realized how much of an Appalachia tradition this is, um, and, and particularly in smaller churches, I think, uh, but the, the uh, treat bags for kids at the Christmas play. I don't know if any of your all's uh, churches do that. I know that Minneapolis... Uh, we have traditionally done that. We're not doing it this year. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. But um, I know I know several churches just right here along the river in in Avery County that do the uh, treat bags for kids at their Christmas play or Christmas service, whatever the case. Why, why don't you go ahead and unpack what is in this treat bag? Well, see. We don't do that. We don't do those ba those street bags. But I've heard of churches that do it, and it you know I've heard of some candy bars, some some oranges, some you know just a, a variety of different things like that. Candy canes, of course. Nuts, chocolate, a pack yeah. of gum, a supper. Yeah, we are doing right. the treat bags. That is something that is that is kind of local to the area now. To think about, it. I didn't it, think it about is, that until it now. It is big yeah. time. So so when I moved here, it's still a big deal at our church, and they give it out the the night that we do. Uh, the children's Christmas play. And so the first year I'm here, I'm looking at like, everyone get their treat bags. And I'm just going, okay, like what's, and I open it and I, no one explains anything to me. And I'm, I open it up and I'm going, okay, like it's just, it's different. And so like I, that night, like we called my parents, my parents were asking me, you know, how the children's play went and whatever. And I said, yeah. And so they gave these really weird bags out. That had like pecans, a sucker, and all. And my dad's face just like lights up with joy. And it was like, they still do that? <laughs> I said, yes, dad, I, I guess. I, I, the, yeah, what? he's like, when I was a little boy, they, we, they used to be always the thing that I looked most forward to around Christmas was getting that treat bag. And um, to me, 
I can understand the sentimentality of it. Like, like this is something sentimental. This is because if we think, you know, in Appalachia 50 years ago, or even less than that in some, some regions, fruit was very expensive. That was a treat. Like my dad says growing up, like he, he never got fruit. And so when he got the treat back, he got fruit and candy. And that was a really big deal. But the question we had today, uh, this, this year, I was asking some people, I was like, do we, do we still do this out of tradition or do we still do this out of thinking that this is a legitimate treat to the kids in our church? Just with, I mean, when they go to school, every single one of them is getting a piece of fruit every day. Yeah. Because Michelle Obama made that part of the school menu law. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something that still goes on here uh, every year. It, it's a big deal. And Yeah. We don't do the, the treat bags, but we do do uh, the fruit baskets, uh, make basically all those things yeah. into a big, nice basket that's made up. And uh, those things go to our widows and homebound members and, uh, you know, anybody that might be going through a difficult time here in the Christmas season. And I've realized or come to recognize, I guess, that that means a lot, especially yeah. to those those that have been getting them for years and just let reminds them that they're loved, I guess, and, and their church family's thinking of them. And so, mm -hmm. matter of fact, we've got, I believe the shopping for that is actually happening today by a few of our ladies at church. And then our plans are Sunday afternoon to, to go and deliver those uh, to the nursing home and our homebound members. But we're not the only church here in Real Mountain that does that either. It's, it's a pretty popular thing. Yeah, yeah. I know the a previous church I served at, they did the, the Christmas uh, treat bags for kids. But then they also did what Jaron was talking about, just uh, fruit baskets for, for widows and shut-ins. And um, that was something that was a big deal. That was kind of, that was in Christmas time. That was the one thing the deacons were in charge of. That was their, that was their only area of ministry that they were called to do on that month. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, I, you know, you know, at first I, I didn't think much of it. But, but now that you guys bring it up, that is something that in this area is pretty, pretty indigenous to Appalachian culture. It is. And, uh, you know, I, th I think it's, again, it's different than a lot of places, but I think it's a very nice thing to do because if you think how often do our church members typically go visit our shut-ins shut and widows, you know, how often do we take them stuff on behalf of the church? And so I know like our church did that this past week, uh, took all the, the fruit baskets to the, the shut-ins and the, the widows and, and those of the nursing home. And um, it's something they look forward to. And it's something our church members really enjoy going to do. Yeah, the uh, the treat bags and and I think the fruit baskets probably are uh, maybe maybe it, it, at the very least they're they're more uh, you see those things more frequently in Appalachia than you do in other parts of of the country and and the fruit baskets definitely that's a that's a good outreach ministry uh, to as you guys mentioned the widows and the shut-ins people that uh, your church doesn't get to interact with a lot um, it's interesting we're we're not uh we're not doing the treat bags this year at minneapolis but uh you know matthew you asked the question if, if it's uh if it's something that the kids actually need because they're uh they're um you know they're getting all those things at, at school and uh and and i guess in some sense we ask that same question and we do have a lot of kids in our uh in our children's ministry some kids that are going to be taking part in our candlelight service that, uh, that, that do come from some really difficult situations. And so 
uh, this year rather than just a goodie bag. We're we're doing something a little bit extra for all our kids. Uh, actually, trying to to meet some some to meet some real needs that they have uh, in their lives. So, uh, but yeah, uh, there's there's definitely some traditions, probably more than what we've mentioned, uh, that are that are particular to Appalachian church culture. Uh, let's let's transition a little bit now. Um, you know, we in probably probably in in our region in the in Appalachia more so than any other area in the country we have uh CEO Christians I know you guys have probably heard that term the Christmas and Easter only uh Christians people that only come on uh, Christmas and Easter uh, because they feel like it's some sort of obligation or uh it's it's just still ingrained you know those uh those church is still somewhat ingrained in the values of people uh, maybe not to the extent where they find value in it every week but uh well it is easter so we better go we better go stop by the church this week or it is christmas we better make sure we get the kids down there uh this this sunday and so what that does think is it, it can be frustrating as pastors for sure but i think what it does is it opens up um, some unique opportunities for evangelism uh, around around the Christmas season, so uh, let's just take a minute to talk about how can our church, uh, our churches here in Appalachia, how can we use Christmas uh, to to evangelize? Yeah, you know, uh, I think about you're talking about those <clears throat> those people who kind of come just during Christmas or Easter, and you know, one of the things that oftentimes I'll do and uh, is we, you know, our membership role. We've got members who you know haven't been here in years. So a lot of times we will send a letter out first part of December and just let them know everything that's going on um, from Christmas Eve to, um, you know, if there's a choir special, children's programs, um, you know, different things like that as just any means of being able to try to reach them, invite them. Because like you said, there's a lot of opportunities. And and I've seen in the past where people who, for whatever reason, haven't been a while, but then something as simple as like that, they come and then they kind of get, we get them plugged back in and uh, kind of get them acclimated back into the life of the body of the church. That sometimes something as natural as, as the Christmas season um, kind of helps able to do that. But at the same time, you know, one of the reasons I love uh, our Christmas Eve service and uh, you know, we put it out on, we put it out on Facebook, we put it out in the paper um, you know, we have a, we have a sign that invites people to come. We, we encourage all our members if they've got family members to come is because, you know, Christmas Eve, I mean, people, people come to that. Um, there, there's something about a candlelight Christmas Eve service that even unbelievers find, I don't know, magical or sentimental or something. Uh, and so I, you know, so we do it and quite also we have great attendance. We, I mean, there are people I meet, um, family members who are not believers. I, I will have members who say, Hey, my so-and-so is coming. They're not a believer just so you know. And so they're already kind of, you know, you know, tell me well beforehand. And so, you know, typically that Sunday night we'll do obviously Christmas carols. We'll do, um, of course we'll do silent night with candles and sing clothes of joy to the world and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I will preach a, a sermon, you know, 15, 20 minute sermon unpacking, you know, the gospel unpacking how important Jesus' birth and the incarnation leads to the cross and how that's, you know, ultimately that's the greatest gift of all. And so, um, so I, I use it as an opportunity because it, it is just a natural opportunity. It's part of, you know, everybody for the most part, 
everybody in your region is having some sort of rhythm of life when it comes to Christmas and Christmas inherently points to the gospel. And so it's, I feel like it makes it things fairly easy, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, when you sit there and look at Christmas one and y'all's churches might be different than ours. Our church is like a gauntlet to try to get through the December season. It is nonstop full throttle from, yeah. I mean, it's, it's insanity with the rhythm of life, but one, I think culturally, yes, we, we have people that are ingrained in them that if they don't go to church any time of the year, we need to come to church around Christmas. We've got to come to church on Easter. One, that's just what you're supposed to do. You know, it's, it's that sen- sentimentality, whatever, of it's the holiday, we're going to be what, whatever. I mean, it's like I was listening this morning about the whole Hallmark scandal stuff with their commercials they allowed on. And even with Hallmark, everyone loves it because they love that, that rhythm of the Christmas season. And so with, with that, you, you see people that I think are a little more open to coming to church around Christmas than they are the rest of the year. One thing I would say this, so if there's any pastors listening, when these people that only show up once or twice a year, don't bully them from the pulpit and make the funny joke. Hey, just so y'all know, we're open next Sunday too. Um, because that's not going to be encouraging them to come back to the body. Um, right. I think a lot of times pastors are like, Ugh, here's the 40 people that never show up any other time of the year, and they take a chance mm-hmm. to make jabs at them. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the, the appropriate way, because obviously if they're not coming on a regular basis, they need the gospel. They don't need to be made fun of. Um, right. but, but I think they're more open to coming. I'll, I'll give a prime example. Last Wednesday we had our children's Christmas play. And one of our students, because I've been challenging them, really just to, to invite people and bring people because if you invite and bring enough people, eventually they're going to hear the gospel. Like, you know, they're going to respond. And, you know, it's kind of, we had a, a challenge a couple of weeks ago and one of the students said, I invited 60 people because I knew if I invited 60 people, some of them would show up. <laughs> and I said, yeah, same way with the gospel. You know, if you share the gospel with 60 people, eventually someone's going to repent and believe. And so in, in, in talking and talking with, um, with a student, he, he invited this person to come with him and he didn't realize that it was the children's Christmas play, but she got to hear a beautiful display in a funny way with children's Christmas. Um, she got to hear a beautiful display of the gospel. And what we come to find out later that night is she hung around, she helped us clean up some stuff, but she had never been in the doors of the church before. Hmm. And she ended up telling our students that she was not a believer, but she's interested and wants to learn more. And so we see at Christmas, people that have never walked through the doors of the church, something about the season pricks their heart in such a way to where they're interested and softer to the gospel than they probably are the rest of the year. So I I sat there and like last week, I was like, man, that is a win. And so we're hoping that she came interested, that hopefully she'll start to come back again and we can have some one-on-one conversations with what does it mean to be a follower? So, yeah, I think it opens that door well. Go ahead, Jay. I think that, that's huge because, you know, our, our church has been focusing on, like many churches, who's your one, who's, you know, one person you're praying for, inviting, seeking to share the gospel with. And there, there's a kid in our church. He's a sharp kid, um, already trusted in Christ for salvation. He's eight years old. His grandfather is his one, and he's been praying for, and he's told me several times. And, uh, and so his grandfather came Sunday. Uh, Sunday morning to worship, but then came Sunday night for our children's program uh, because he kept inviting them. And, uh, and he even told me that he's going to keep inviting him to other things 
that are going on, including next Sunday and, and following and so forth. And, uh, and he's been trying to, you know, you know, even to, even to share the gospel with, uh, with his grandfather and tell him about why he, why he loves Jesus. And so, you know, just like Matthew said, I just think it gives just a natural opportunity um, to springboard into to a good gospel conversation and, and hopefully lead to a gospel invitation towards somebody. Yeah, I would, I would say just building off of all that with the Christmas and Easter only, I do see a trend here. I don't know if it's just in Rome Mountain or taking, taking place in other areas as well, but I don't think there's as many Christmas and Easter only as what there used to be in the sense, not that there are more people that come regularly throughout the year, but I think that even out of the, the bunches that used to come just for Christ, Christmas and Easter only, not as many of those even come for Christmas and Easter now. But what I have found out, or I have seen, I should say, is that one way to get more of those that are at least coming Christmas and Easter and giving the opportunity here to, to share the gospel with them, to love on them, uh, to make them feel welcome uh, around the church family, is that when you've got something that um, – that involves the student ministry or the children's ministry, those moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles um, that would not be even Christmas and Easter only do come during Christmas and Easter time when they can see their, their children, grandkids, nieces, nephews, um, and, and, and having a part there in the service. And so uh, it seems like the ones that we do have come on the Christmas and Easter only, the majority of them now are coming because they're coming to see a child or a student uh, and the part that they have to play in a, a Christmas service or, or Easter service. But they certainly, like y'all were saying, I think they come with a, a heart that is, is open and, and tender, uh, or the, the words they use, rhythm of life going on that makes them more receptive than, than other times. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just, just a couple things to follow up there. Um, we, uh, our, 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 church, our candlelight service that we have at Minneapolis, that is our big, that's really our big service of the year. Um, we do it maybe a little bit differently than what I've seen other churches do it. I don't, I assume we're probably not the only ones to do it this way, but we have a candle display um, that's got different candles uh, in it that represents uh, the different uh, characters, if you will, of the Christmas story. Of course, we've got a candle representing Christ and one Mary and Joseph and one for the wise men, one for the shepherds, uh, several for uh, the angels. And uh, as, as, we, as, as we walk through the Christmas story via narration and song, uh, we light those candles along with the story and then uh, as the story concludes and we move towards the cross, uh, those candles are extinguished. And when we're done, the only candle that is left is the one that represents Jesus. And then uh, we light, uh, myself and, and whoever's helping me light the candles, we'll light um, our handheld candle off of that candle representing Jesus. And then the rest of the congregation sort of, uh, sort of illustrating how uh, we have the responsibility to pass the light of Christ from one to another. And so there's that evangelistic tie-in, but something, something that I became really convicted over uh, in, in preparing for uh, our candlelight service with it being our big service this year 
was I had all these ideas about how to make it a better, uh, all these things we could do that would make it better, that would make it uh, more interesting or more exciting. And it was just sort of as if in the middle of all that, the Lord just reminded me, hey, this thing isn't about a production. This thing's about me. And so something I've tried to do this year is really simplify. Um, you guys made a great point about having kids involved and that getting lost people and their family in. And so um, we have tried to really simplify the way we're doing music and, you know, not doing a big musical performance, uh, but still being able to integrate the kids. Um, one, because it's good to have them involved, but two, uh, so that they're so that we'll have an opportunity to get their families to come. Uh, but the other thing I would say, it was sort of mentioned already, uh, and this is probably more so to the pastors that will be listening, but even to church leaders, don't stop your Christmas service or your Christmas play at the cradle. <laughs> Make sure that you get to the cross. Uh, I've seen I've seen Christmas plays. I've I've seen uh, I've seen Christmas performances that uh, that. They, 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 tell, they tell the story of Christmas night, if you will, uh, very well, but uh, they sort of fail to make the connection that the same, the same Christ that was born on Christmas is the same Christ uh, who, who died on the cross. And so uh, at the, a song that I don't know if you guys have heard it or not, it's a song, it's about the cross. I want to say maybe the Booth brothers are the ones that uh, are popular for singing that. I don't know that it's original to them. It's a bit of a Southern gospel song, but it's a, it's a really good song as it emphasizes that, uh, that Christmas is really about the cross more than mm -hmm. it is anything else. And we include that in our, in our candlelight service every year. So, so all that to say, pastor, don't make sure that your church doesn't just stop at the cradle when it comes to your Christmas programs or whatever the case may be, but make sure that, for the purpose of evangelism, you connect the, the cradle uh, to the cross. Anybody else have any, any sort of closing comments on uh, evangelism? Yeah, I was going to make just one last comment. You know, last year we, we tried something kind of unique and different. And, um, you know, we kind of, we didn't do it this year because we got to work through some, some kinks and be able to, um, you know, add into the life of the ministry of the church. But um, last year we had done a Christmas service, um, it was a probably a Wednesday night, uh, maybe maybe a Monday night or a Sunday night. I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, it was really about uh, those who have lost a loved one, and it was a service really meant towards um, towards honoring them and and talking about uh, how to how to deal with grief and in a good biblical way. And so uh, you know we had a you know we had a handful of people from church that were there. And then we had a, a bunch of people from our church who, you know, or who are there who were just from the community, just who lost a loved one and just want to remember that loved one. And so um, we had done that last year. It was going to be a springboard into uh, to a ministry um, called grief share. Um, and uh, the, the, you know, obviously we didn't get to launch into that this year. We're doing that this upcoming year in 2020, but, um, but it was a really great opportunity to meet a lot of people who uh, just in the community who had lost a loved one and just trying to deal with how to walk through the holidays. And, and it gives the opportunity to, to have some good conversations with them and even invite them into the life and the body of the church. All right, we'll uh, we'll we'll try to wrap up here. We uh, we've got just just a few minutes left. 
uh, we'll try to be we'll try to be brief with these last two questions, but I want us to try to have uh, just just a little bit of fun here as as we close. Um, do you all have any uh, church Christmas nightmare stories? Why don't you start us out with what you would consider a church nightmare Christmas story? Yeah, and this this is I I, I won't. I, I will not share the name of the church in order to uh, protect the innocent. Uh, some of them, I believe, will, will probably be listening to this podcast, but they uh, they realize the the nightmarish nature of the story. I think, and it was uh, this this I, I actually was not at this church at the time uh, that it that it happened. I was at I was at uh, at Minneapolis when this happened, but. Uh, Listen, churches, be careful with your Christmas decorations, okay? Um, there's a, there was a church who um, might have become just a touch too, too secular in their Christmas decorations. Uh, some, of the, some of the church staff walked into the uh, sanctuary, the vestibule area, the entryway area uh, one, one morning, and the lady that had been decorating for Christmas uh, had, had, taken, had taken the liberty to, to add some decorations, um, if I recall correctly, I think there were maybe a couple Santa Clauses or something of that nature setting out in the vestibule area. And then uh, to top it all off, there were large Santa hats on the back of all the choir chairs. And uh, listen, we're, we're, we're at war with the culture trying to hijack the message of Christmas and, uh, as the church. And so uh, we've, got to be, we've got to be careful with, uh, with, with using the... Uh, the the worldly Christmas the worldly side of Christmas I guess you could say uh, to decorate our sanctuaries but they ended up being able to at least partially resolve it I think without hurting uh, too many too many feelings but uh, listen the moral of the story is don't put Santa hats on the back of the choir chairs and, and don't don't have a Santa and his sleigh like out front on a bell <laughs> tower or hanging from the steeple. Or, or something like that as well. Um, also a bad plan. <laughs> you know, I, w- one of the things that this hadn't happened to me, but man, I've seen enough. I've seen enough things on Twitter and Facebook, and um, where churches have had some kind of program for Christmas, and things just go haywire from sets to falling down towards. Mm-hmm you know, trying to airlift an angel only for a string to break or something to catch on fire. And so uh, keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that, and that was, the, that was the point that I felt like the, the Lord was leading me to in preparing for our candlelight service. Um, you know, if, if, if you, if you try to, if you try to do anything other than keep it simple, if you're not careful, even if it's unintentional, the focus becomes on, you or becomes on the performers or the choir or maybe even on the decorations and the sets uh, more so than it is on on Christ which of course we we don't want any other any other horror stories from Christmas that anyone would like to share I don't know this that this is quite a horror story but I think that Christmas was on a Sunday what like three years ago it's, it's not been too long ago and yeah. so uh, we had that that evening on Christmas Day had a service but we did the candlelights then instead of the Christmas Eve so we did it on Christmas Day and we decided to use real candles that time and uh, of course had the little holders so that hopefully none of the wax would be getting down but uh, we all 
pass the candles, lit our candles, everybody's holding their candles. I'm giving a, a gospel invitation and went a little longer than planned. But I did not realize that uh, some of the holders, uh, candle holders, were not doing their job. And so as those candles are continuing, continuing to burn, the hot wax is starting to get on people's hands. And, and so I'm starting to get the hint <laughs> in as I see about their second hands. But after everybody leaves, the custodian comes up to me and says, uh, Pastor, we've got a real mess. There is candle wax all over the carpet in our sanctuary where these candles were melting and, and the holders were not catching. And so that candle wax actually ended up staying in, in spots in that carpet until just here recently, almost three years later, when we finally had a company come all the way from Zoom <laughs> that could actually get that stuff out. But that's one I've still not lived down. When we say candlelight service now, every year I hear, is it going to be real candles or, you know, now we've gone to the little <laughs> electronic candles. So I hear that every year. And I'm just going to throw this in here because I think this is just an appropriate time um, to say this, but if things do not go as planned, whether it's in the children's play or the adult cantata or your candlelight service or your Christmas Eve, whatever it is, it's okay. Like it's not the end of the world. Uh, there's a movie um, that I love. It's called Simon Birch. You might may or may not have watched it. It came out like a 98. So it's an old movie now. And in there they have a Christmas scene and it's this little kid that has some type of special needs. Like he's way shorter than he should be. He's in a wheelchair. Like, he has unique interests. His parents want nothing to do with him, but he loves God. And in it, like the, the priest at this church is always so mean to him. And he's so small. Like he's probably like a, should be like a sixth grader, seventh grader. He's so small that they make him play baby Jesus in the play. I mean, so, so this kind of puts in the picture and something goes awry in the children's play. And at the end of it, the pastor sits there and is like, Simon Birch, da, 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 like going off on him for whatever. And <clears throat> he looks up and like, but pastor, God, you told us that God has a plan for everyone. And the pastor looks at this little kid and says, well, I said that, but I don't know what God's plan would be for you, why he would allow you to continue to live. It's like super hateful to this kid. And um, I just want to throw this out there because um, that movie is great. So like I highly recommend watching it because Simon Birch ends up saving like all these kids at the end of the movie. But um, so many times when things don't go right, we get mad and we get frustrated and we want to go off on somebody or we get short or snippy with someone. And at the end of the day, the purpose of all these things we do is to point to Christ. And so if while we're trying to point to Christ, we get short and snippy with people, we might be hindering people from growing closer to God and ultimately hinder the growth of the kingdom. So just remember when things happen, angels fall from the sky when you're trying to raise them up or whatever the, the issue may be, just remember the reason for the season is Christ and not everything's going to be perfect on this world. Absolutely. And uh, guys, I think that's probably a, a good way to, to end this podcast. I hope that, uh, hope that everyone has enjoyed listening. I hope you'll have an opportunity to uh, listen to this uh, on uh, either, either uh, today or maybe tomorrow, uh, Christmas Eve. And, uh, and hopefully it'll help get you in, in the spirit for, uh, for Christmas and maybe even some helpful things to include and maybe a Christmas Eve service or just some things to keep in mind uh, at your Christmas Eve service that, that'll, be, that'll be coming up here. So, um, guys, thank you. And uh, thank you to all of our uh, listeners for continuing to support us. I hope that you have enjoyed our uh, Christmas special. 
You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.